Welcome to the Adorned Women Podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week featuring women of faith from all over the world and all walks of life. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We're all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hello, Adorned Women. Welcome back to the Adorned Women podcast. I'm your host, Alicia, and this week's guest is Alicja, Alicja Wierzykowska from Poland. And, you know, sometimes we have periods in life that are stable and steady and peaceful, and other times there are seasons when it's not so much. It can be a little bit rougher, it can be a transition, a little unsteady. And right now, that's where Alicia is at. And so her life isn't picturesque and perfect, and neither is her relationship with God. You'll hear her share more in the interview as to why that is and what she's going through. But what I love and what she pointed out during the conversation is that she talks about how she knows she doesn't have to wrestle through things and win the fight, win the struggle before she comes to God. She knows that she can take that fight, take that struggle, take that wrestling to God and let him deal with it because he has the power to do that. And he doesn't ask for us to be perfect before we come to him. So I love that she shares that. And I love that you can see that all throughout her story today. It's really quite an amazing story. And I hope that as you listen, wherever you're at, even if you're struggling or you're wrestling and you don't feel completely right with God, that you would be encouraged and inspired to draw closer to him because you don't have to win the fight before you do that. God wants you where you're at, however you're feeling. And I hope that you're encouraged by today's conversation to embrace that truth and to run to him. Hi, Alicia. Welcome to the Adorned Women podcast. Thank you. Uh, I'm privileged to be a part of this interview. So thank you very much for the invitation. Of course. Thank you for being willing to share some of your story and share your heart with us. I really do appreciate it. Can you start us off by sharing some context for us? Where are you living right now and what is it like there? Well, I'm Polish, but I just moved back to Poland after 13 years of living in Hungary, where my husband and myself, we were a part of the leadership uh, of crew for uh, Central and Eastern Europe. And so our organization um, had a big reorg, uh, uniting uh, the whole of Europe into one region. So uh, we left our roles. We are still involved regionally for the whole of Europe, but not as uh, there is uh, there is no central office that used to be in Hungary. So we don't need to live there. And we just moved and we are still unpacking. So I'm back in Warsaw, Poland, uh, still unpacking, haven't sunk hung up my pictures yet, <laughs> learning how to live in my own country. That's pretty funny. So you've been out for 13 years. Um, and in that time, you were in Hungary. So now as you get used to Poland again, what is it like being, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what is it like being so close to everything that's going on in Europe right now in the war and, and all, <laughs> all the tension there? Uh, it, you know, uh, you hear Ukrainian and Russian in the streets much more than ever. There are, uh, you know, there are quite a few refugees in Poland. 
And uh, I think um, even in Hungary, when we we lived in Hungary, uh, we still lived in Hungary when the war started. Uh, so the fact that it started just across the border uh, and the fact that, you know, Russia had such a, such an ambition to reunite the Soviet Union, uh, I mean, the, its borders into what used to be so, the Soviet Union. It just caused a lot of stress, a lot of fear, uh, you know, how the, how, uh, the continent will respond. So uh, very kind of uh, trying to find my bearings in all of that. Right. And burdened to pray for Ukraine, obviously. This is a huge prayer burden on my heart. Mm-hmm, for sure. For you personally, did you experience some of that fear or was there less of it? What, what were your feelings as this kind of happened? I mean, a lot of question marks, you know, uh, as a believer, um, I don't want to fear. I, I want to be ready to meet my 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 lord and savior but uh i have children i have grandchildren so uh and we have very close friends in in ukraine the staff that we have worked with for many years you know all these years they were a part of our gatherings uh i mentored i coached uh women from ukraine so it feels very close and i think because of that it feels like uh something uh, tragic is happening in my family. My husband came back from Ukraine yesterday. He was, uh, he decided to visit the staff in Lviv, uh, a city in Ukraine, in Western Ukraine, where um, a lot of people escaped to uh, running from Eastern Ukraine that was targeted by the Russians. And so Lviv is only 70 kilometers away from uh, the border. If you, uh, uh, one mile is 1.6 kilometers, so very close to the border. Very close, yes. Yeah, so how has that impacted your family as a whole? You said your husband was there? Yeah, uh, he was there just to encourage the staff to, you know, interact with them, to find out how they're doing. He, He was very encouraged himself. Uh, by what they were they are trying to do uh, to help uh, physically, especially soldiers uh, and their families, but also spiritually, how to combine the this uh, practical <laughs> down to earth element with uh, with uh, sharing the gospel. So, uh, yeah, he 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 came back uh, safe. God's God has been gracious. Uh, but he has been able to see how they are functioning in this reality of war. Wow, that's incredible to have that impact too. So you've kind of been mixed up in this a little bit. He's been going over there to encourage. What have you been spending your days doing? Are you largely right now working on transitioning and unpacking and getting settled? Or do you also have any responsibilities over there? Uh, well, I I do have responsibilities, but uh, right now I you know I'm the kind of person that I want to have it off my plate. Uh, so in Hungary we used to live in a house, and now we live in a uh, in a flat in an apartment, which is uh, half the size of our house. So you know uh, finding 
this uh, kind of deciding what to throw away, what to give away, what to um, what to buy to fit, you know, the th- the the space uh, in a way that is very practical for us. That is uh, taking a lot of my energy uh right now i want to have it off my plate but uh my role in the ministry is uh what is called women's initiatives uh, initiatives network and the idea is to um, create a platform for women's staff and volunteers from all over europe who focus on reaching women and so we want to we have a you know we have a group uh on workplace uh, where uh, women share uh, different things that they are doing so that the other women can get their ideas or can find out from whom they can learn, you know, just kind of facilitating interaction and uh, platforming some of the activities and ideas. So this is what, uh, you know, I've been um, a part of and uh, helping this working group who is facilitating the whole thing move forward. <laughs> that sounds like so a pretty neat role. <laughs> it, I'm enjoying it. I'm learning. It's very interesting for me because, uh, you know, uh, even though we are one organization, uh, crew in Eastern Europe uh, has functioned in a little different way than in Western Europe. So kind of getting to know each other, learning from each other, that takes time and energy and uh, realizing different assumptions that we we all have because we come from a different context. Right, those cross-cultural kind of clashes sometimes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's a slightly different role than you were doing, is that correct? It is, a, I mean, it is a different role in the sense uh, of, um, you know, I used to be a part of the um, um, leadership of uh, Central and Eastern Europe. The, there was a team of people who had different roles and I was uh, associate leader for, for the, whole, uh, of re, uh, the whole area of Central and Eastern Europe. And now... I am not a part of the leadership of the whole of Europe. I am a part of the leadership of this uh, particular strategy. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm an organizational leader uh, and I, I'm used to uh, working in a certain way and now I'm in a different context. So it uh, requires, uh, can, I, I sometimes ask myself questions uh, this is not my role to be the leader, but do I step up? Because this is not being addressed. So how do I, you know, kind of, where where are my borders? <laughs> where are my boundaries? I don't want to take away somebody's leadership from, uh, I'm leadership from somebody else, you know. I'm so sure that it's, that it's a little, it's stretching for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Difficult, something new to navigate. Yeah. So, yeah. I would like to go back now and we can work our way back up to where you are today. Can you take me back as far back as you want to and tell me about some of the things that have made you who you are today, some of the ways God has led you to where you are today, anything on your heart to share? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, 
I I can go back to my uh, growing up years because I grew up in a communist Poland and my dad was an Air Force pilot in the communist army. Uh, he was an a- atheist. Uh, I mean, he still is. <laughs> he's alive. He's 92, but, um, you know, he hasn't left his uh, his atheistic uh, convictions. Um, my mom is a Roman Catholic. And growing up, I wanted, I had a, you know, I later I found out that it's not so t- typical, but I, I really wanted to have a foundation for my life. And a part of it is the history of Europe, where there were two world wars. And a part of my Polish literature class, I, I read some uh, novels uh, and stories about people who were Good people during peace, the time of peace, but then they were in a concentration camp and to survive, they were um, doing things that they would have considered evil earlier. And when I was reading that, uh, I knew deep in my heart that I don't know who I would be if I were put in such an extreme situation. And that caused me fear because our and a longing to be um not to lose goodness in in a situation that calls for desperate you know kind of uh, open uh, awakes in you something that y- you don't know that you have and so there was this um deep desire in me to have a meaning that is beyond uh mm, you know material uh, satisfaction or even making career or even being happy something that would be a bigger um, sense, uh, bigger meaning in life. But I didn't have a sense of God. You know, my mom said, "You." I asked my mom, how do you know that God is, uh, God exists? And she says that I feel God. And I thought, I don't feel God. So it that was not convincing. And my dad was not, uh, you know, uh, person to ask those questions so what i'm uh, what i'm getting to is um after my first year at university through a series of uh circumstances and it would take me half an hour to describe how each thing led to another god put me in a situation where i became an, an interpreter for a group of americans who had been invited by a polish roman catholic priest and those Americans were Protestants. They were crew staff, and they were invited to share the four spiritual laws, uh, the you know short, brief message of the gospel with young people from all over Poland. Uh, and so, while I was interpreting that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and that you know you are separated from God, and all these different truths. I and watching those uh, Americans, uh, I realized that this is an offer not to be rejected. And the one thing that made sense for me was that they were basing their certainty about God from on, on God's word. Uh, you know, uh, so they uh, when they were asking, you know, like when I was asking questions about why do you believe. Um, they were pointing to God's word and what God is like. They were pointing to God's word. And so uh, that kind of gave me something to hold on to. 
and uh, I prayed to receive the Lord, and it, it, I just fell in love with Jesus. Jesus was the last word on my mouth when I went to bed, and the first word that when I woke up. And so that started me off on a journey of faith. And, uh, you know, I had ups and downs in that journey um, because one year after I became a believer, I began to have doubts again about the existence of God. For the previous week, I had been trying to memorize some scriptures. And uh, one thing that um happened when i had those doubts and i felt so desperate and i felt like okay there is no god i'm back to point number one you know and then i reached just uh by by accident i reached to the pile of the verses that i had on my desk and grabbed one and I read, it was from the Gospel of John, that blessed, uh, now that you have seen, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen, but believed. And this was like a message from God for me. I had no idea that I had that verse in that pile. So, and it was like, it was like, you know, a pile. I was not, I mean, it was like, wow. And so those things were uh, very, um, you know, um, subjective, but uh, very special to where I was at the moment, because it felt like God was um, doing something, trying to communicate with me that he's there and that I'm blessed because I, you know, I put my trust, not seeing, (laughs) not seeing. So uh, that was something that began to shape shape me as a believer. And then uh, in my last senior year, I I was challenged to come on staff. And, and I couldn't tell my parents that I was coming on staff. I couldn't tell anybody. Uh, it was all top secret because uh, um, the communist authorities wouldn't have allowed for an international organization to, to function in our country. So over the years, you know, I was a part of this organization that communism fell and it became a legal organization. And I've been in different roles in the organization. What a crazy story. So you grow up and you, you have this longing, but you don't have a lot of answers. And then God just sticks you in the middle of this group that suddenly has some answers for you, especially pointing you to the word. I loved that part of the story of not only did they speak these truths of the gospel over and over and over, but they also pointed you to the word, which was something deeper than your mom could point to with you know, I feel God. But then you also had that subjective side of it, like you said, where you, he did relate very personally to you. And it wasn't necessarily like everybody has the same experience, but you did have that very personal relationship with God that encouraged you even in your darkest times. I love that story. So you got into crew, you said your senior year, you were invited on staff. And so from from then all the way up till now, have you been, have you been on staff in this same capacity and just had your role evolve or how did that how did that journey go for you well the journey uh has had its ups and downs and one of the downs was also a very um very important moment in my in my uh, relationship with god and in my involvement in christianity 
Um, namely, I met my husband who was not on staff. And, you know, me as one of the leaders, um, because I, I felt that God was leading me to marry him, it, it was very difficult for my colleagues to see me go. And uh, the way things, the way the the way things were organized, we were still involved in the ministry, but now as volunteers. And obviously, it was communist times, so nobody knew the organizational ties. But I had to give up the girls that I wanted, uh, that I had discipled, to uh, another staff woman who was, you know, who was focusing on the most promising disciples. So uh, for them, it was difficult. And for me, it was very difficult because I couldn't tell them really why I had to give them up. While at the same time, I was, uh, you know, involved in the same uh, place of ministry. So I, um, losing the, the place in the ministry, the organizational place in the ministry, woke up uh, different carnal uh, different hurts in me. Some were carnal, some were probably natural because of, you know, the way things were. But also for the staff, uh, they didn't know how to behave. We were all peers, you know. It, even the leaders were a couple of years older as believers than, you know, the rest of us. So uh, it was a, it was a time when I was so affected emotionally uh, that um, I began to fear that the the bitterness was uh, destroying uh, my spiritual um, life, and uh, and I uh, I really uh, didn't know how to get out of it. It was very, very deep. Uh, I had those mental uh, arguments uh, with my colleagues uh, and they began, became so intense that, you know, not much was needed for me to get into that argument in my head. So um, it, it lasted for quite a few years um and um i wanted to forgive and uh i you know f- f- from my heart to forgive but it, those those arguments didn't stop so i was desperate um before the lord that i i'm you know that the, they were affecting me so <laughs> totally entirely and uh, I had another very special um, encounter with God, a God personal encounter in the sense that at one point he said, uh, he said, I, I like to say he said, because it was not for me. Um, why don't you start praying for them? And so um, I started, you know, whenever, I mean, I cannot say that the first time I had this argument, I, I started to pray. I didn't have that habit, but after, uh, but that habit began to to form, um, and in two weeks, the arguments were gone forever. 
And it was like, wow, I I didn't expect that. But um, what God did was that there was this uh, wrestling of my emotions, my, you know, kind of, I don't know what, uh, how to describe it. I'm not a psychologist, but uh, the, the spirit uh, began to enter because of the prayer and lifting it to the Lord, you know, I, I feel like God was using that uh, channel of of healing me emotionally. I saw that in that time, uh, uh, I mean, it ended with the healing, but in that time, I saw the darkest sides of me. And when we were challenged to, my husband was the first um, Eastern European to be challenged to take the role of um, leading 21 countries of Eastern Europe. And uh, somebody asked me how, you know, why, why I thought God was leading us to this. So one of the thing that I said, and I uh, truly believe I saw the darkest side or one of the darkest sides, I cannot say the darkest side, but for sure, dark enough of myself and uh so i i cannot um i'm i'm prepared for this role because i'm i'm not worthy <laughs> so to speak you know i uh, i don't i don't i cannot prove anything to anybody that i'm the hero uh, it has to be god and in that that was a very mm, important period of my life because up to until then, everything was fine. You know, here I was a hero, serving the Lord in the communist Poland, making disciples, going to the dorms. All these things were just fine, you know, and and exciting. And all of a sudden, this this dark time of just um, arguing with my friends, men, mental inward arguing, and uh, seeing the dark side of me not being able to forgive and have a clean, pure heart. Right. Thank you for sharing and thank you for being vulnerable with that. I think that's, even though it's not a pretty aspect of a story, it's it's so important because we're all human and we all have that dark side. Like you had mentioned at the beginning with, with learning about the world wars and how people who are good in times of peace were suddenly pressured and suddenly something snaps and you see that darkness come out. I think it's it's so interesting that that kind of came full circle in that moment um, and you saw a dark side of yourself, but then the Lord was able to bring you out of that. And so you did have that answered kind of desire that ultimately God was able to bring you back to good, even with still that kind of friction, that ability that you could have had to stay bitter towards them. So I really appreciate you sharing that. So as you healed from that, how long ago would you say that was? Uh, it was, uh, I mean, we were out of, st- I was out of staff uh, for five years, um, between 85 till 90. 90 was the year when communism fell in Poland. And and my husband and I, we, we joined the organization already, you know, into uh, when it was legal. 
So five years of that struggle. It was it was not a, a short <laughs> struggle. Wow. Wow. So when you took over this new leadership role to kind of unite. At that time, at that time, it was, you know, we were local leaders. So it, it wasn't, uh, you know, international leadership. It was local okay. and, and national. Mm-hmm. So what how long ago was it that you took over this international leadership? Uh, 13 years ago in 2009. Okay. About two, two years prior to that, we were already in regional roles responsible for several countries, but not uh, for the whole. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that experience. You had all of this growing period. You've gotten close to the Lord. You've had to come back from this period of darkness. Now that you had grown to the point of stepping into this role. What were your responsibilities like? What was your life like? How did you feel about everything that you were doing? Um, well, first of all, it was, uh, I mean, our previous leader, uh, Larry Thompson, he was an American whom, uh, you know, I admired and uh, I really, I, you know, had, uh, we were friends. So, Initially, I felt those were too big of shoes to step into for my husband. And uh, it took me a while to realize that God gave him some gifts that were needed for our area at that time. And it is, uh, it is, it is a lesson that I want to remember that somebody can have excellent gifts But um, the question that in different situations we need to ask is not it's not about the the person and and somebody's gifting, but about the needs that are out there. You know, uh, that there are there may be specific needs that um, somebody else uh, needs to fulfill with his or her specific gifting rather than somebody who has, uh, who seems to have, you know, wonderful gifts anyway, but it's just a match, you know, of the needs and the, the, the gifting. So um, it, very quickly, I, I saw that some of the things that God equipped my husband with um, are, is what our area needed. But uh, one thing that was stretching for me was loving uh, some of the countries, You know, um, my parents uh, come from the area of Poland, their families, uh, that is not Poland anymore. Uh, Like my mom, uh, my mom, they're Polish, but um, I don't know if, I mean, it might be, uh, it's a, a little bit of geography and history. Poland used to be um, bigger on the east, so Vilnius and uh, Lviv used to be Polish. And so my parents are from that part of Poland. So for me, it was a question mark. And I was aware of the different things of the war, like, uh, you know, with with the Soviets. So uh, the, the challenge for me was, will God give me love? for those countries, um, you know, and uh, God graciously did. But it was, uh, it was interesting because sometimes we were with the staff and the staff were fed different propaganda than we were fed. 
And so hearing some of their ideas about the war and different things, it was like, uh oh, <laughs> this is not what I think about this. <laughs> and uh, and yet uh, we we are. Uh, you know, uh, we are part of a different kingdom. So learning how to deal with the present kingdom and uh, be a part of the of God's, uh, be citizens of God's kingdom. You know, it's it's very sometimes in those international uh, relations, it it is a challenge and it is an interesting journey of uh, uh, stretching your heart. Yes, that is so important especially that distinction you made between the kingdom of heaven and our earthly kingdoms. Sometimes while the earthly kingdoms can clash, still we all are citizens of heaven. I think that's an important point that you brought up there. So as you worked with them, I guess you had kind of developed discipling people who are local, familiar with that culture. And now you're in more of a position where you are over all of these different cultures and all these different different countries so what what was some of the hardest things you just mentioned the cultures were different but what were some of the hardest um things that you had to do with those individuals the hardest tasks or responsibilities that you had Mm. well the those 13 years have been blessed years and uh i think the um, i wouldn't you know they, they have been very encouraging to us because uh we work with uh, people who love the Lord and who were um, very um, committed, who have been committed to to the gospel in their countries. So that has been my, you know, incredible privilege. I connected. My role was to um, to invest in women in women leaders in those countries. So I mentored them. I I coached them. I created uh, opportunities for them to interact with each other. Um, yeah, to to have uh, in, input into the leadership and uh, into the you know into the mission of uh, of their countries. So that has been very. Um, a wonderful, wonderful privilege. I think the challenge, the challenge has been to have a better understanding because you know, um, it's it, it like even um, now with Russia and the the cruelty it shows and the the way the Russian um, nation supports Putin. It all boils down to their expectations from a leader, you know, and it's it's like, okay, uh, how to be a leader that is helpful to the people that I'm leading, you know. So with some people, uh, you have to be more, uh, I mean, with with the leaders, you have to give them a lot of space. But even with uh, with that, you know, uh, there comes to all those nuances how people uh, see you as a leader and uh, what really uh, motivates them you know uh, coming from me and what demotivates them Uh, it's very it's a it's an interesting uh, lesson in leadership and so the 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 difficult parts was 
how to give um, uh, give platform uh, to people who who are different with different gifting and not necessarily fit um, fit our um, you know our team but have a gifting that needs to be platformed somehow. So finding a place for them to platform, you know, how to platform somebody who, who, uh, who can take, um, who can receive me not uh, receiving him into my team as a rejection. Am I making sense? (laughs) If I could see if I understand what you're saying. So the difficult part is taking those who maybe don't quite fit and giving them a platform while at the same time they they do have a little bit of distance from your team. You know, they kind of have their own role to play. Is that correct? Yes. And that I don't want them to feel kind of pushed away, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That is hard. So you did that for 13 years. Um, is that, and you still do that in a little bit different capacity? Uh, well, uh, n- n- no, I'm, what I'm doing right now is being more involved in a specific, um, specific strategy. That is, uh, the strategy is to help women's staff and volunteers uh, from, all, all the countries of Europe to really uh, know how they can focus uh, their efforts better on reaching women. So uh, this is narrower uh, focus than you know my previous uh, my previous uh, role was both uh, for the whole and for women specifically. So both uh, both. Uh, kind of uh, targets. And right now the target is the the women and there are strategies to reach women. So it's a, it's a narrower, um, narrower field of responsibility, but uh, it is uh, a challenge for me in the sense that we are working with Western Europe, which we didn't work with before. So, uh, mm, my uh, role is uh, my role. My uh, task for myself to be to feel good in this is how do I understand Western Europe better? Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, that's they all. have a different context and they have different traditions of doing things. So how do so how do I don't overbear? you know, the people there uh, with their, who have their responsibilities. And I have the experience of being a leader of the whole. So, you know, kind of mm, keeping my place, but at the same time uh, deciding, okay, when do I step in and when do I hold back? Yeah, that sounds a little bit of like a little bit of a challenge there. And that also sounds like a lot of countries if it's both Eastern and Western Europe now. So Mm -hmm. it's crazy how God has moved you throughout this journey. And now as we get back to where you started with the present day context, I would love to hear what is your relationship with God like today? And what what are some of the things he's been teaching you lately? What is my relationship with God? Uh... Well, um, 
because of the war, uh, I mean, yeah, the war makes me makes brings up the the topic of suffering and pain uh, clearer than ever. You know, that has always been a very difficult topic for me before God uh, that. Uh, I know that he's not for evil, but he allows evil. And so throughout the centuries, there have been, you know, uh, terrible things happening, men <laughs> doing it to other men, people doing it to other other people. So uh, I would say mm, I know I hold on to to God as he revealed himself and uh, and i have he has been incredible in my own life but when i hear about um you know a, a, a believer a father being killed while he went to get food for his family uh in the mm, mm, one of the besieged uh, mariupol one of the besieged cities in in ukraine and when I hear about the cruelties, uh, then it's it's very difficult for me not to wrestle uh, with God over those why He is uh, allowing that and uh, how long it has to last um, before uh, He uh, puts a stop on it. So that that has been. Um, a major issue between me and him uh, in my in these days. Uh, yeah. I think that's completely understandable. And I think anybody in that position would be wrestling with God. One of the other guests I talked to, she mentioned how her faith walk is less of a walk and more of a faith wrestle. And I think that's, you know, God invites that. He invites us to wrestle him. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I can completely understand what you're saying. Now, as you've yeah. witnessed, if you've witnessed all this pain and suffering and, you know, it, it's on both believers and unbelievers alike, and you've witnessed the fear and this kind of thing, what is your perception of the state of the church in your area? Um, maybe where you are right now or just kind of in the general vicinity? Well, uh, I mean, you know, we are back in Poland, so we are trying to uh, learn how, where to get involved and, uh, and how. But uh, from what I observe through my friends, uh, the Polish church is quite involved in helping the refugees. Uh, all kinds of things are happening through local churches, uh, centers for refugees, all, uh, Mm, our staff are also helping in different ways, uh, both physically and also spiritually. And I know that is this similar things are happening in Hungary, but also in Moldova and Romania. They, the staff and the churches have responded very um, with a lot of sympathy and with a lot of practical help. Uh, so that that has been a great um, testimony. And from my husband's trip, uh, I hear that uh, the testimony of the evangelical church in, in Ukraine has been very um, strong. Uh, I mean, its reputation has been very strong because of its involvement in, in helping people. 
And so um, Ukraine, before the war, has been one of the one of the strongest uh, countries in Eastern Europe in terms of the evangelical population. Uh, and um, now, you know, with uh, with the churches rising up to this uh, this need of helping, um, the it's it's becoming even better known than ever uh, throughout the throughout the uh, country. And Ukraine has two kinds of Orthodox Church and uh, different kinds of uh, evangelical churches. So it has been a country of multiple Christian, you know, denominations, and uh, and uh, it is very encouraging for me to to hear that the war has made people more aware of the evangelical uh, church. That is encouraging to hear that something so terrible has had as a side effect, kind of a really good effect for the church. And I, you know, it's encouraging to hear too that the church is so active in helping and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So thank you for, for sharing that. And thank you again for, it's we're at the end of our time, so thank you again for sharing your time with me and for being willing to open up and tell your story. As I close, uh, could you share any prayer requests that you have for your country, uh, your family, and yourself? Thank you. Well, uh, can I share one life lesson? Uh, because the, I, I just somehow missed it. One one thing, uh, you know, mm, going back to my wrestling or going back to any any topic between me and God, what I discovered along the way is that I don't have to wrestle with uh, different things by myself. Um, I um, mm, I can. Uh, God, God knows what I'm struggling with, and uh, he he doesn't mm, he doesn't expect me to come to him after I have won the struggle. He expects me as I am struggling, and so if I'm struggling with pride, if I'm struggling with greed or with uh, jealousy, you know, I can grab that monster. And bring it to the Lord and have him zap it with his light, <laughs> with his spirit. So uh, that's, I think that that has been a very liberating um, uh, discovery for me personally. And also uh, as I'm wrestling uh, with pain and suffering and the evil, uh, you know, I'm that also... Mm, sense that I don't have to wrestle by myself. I don't have to feel that I, you know, I, I feel guilty that I have those doubts. I have those struggles. I can bring them to the Lord that I struggle with this Lord, um, shed some light or just uh, give me peace or whatever I need so that um I can come back, keep coming back to you rather than walk this valley by myself. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I just have this mental image of sometimes we see this wrestle with sin as the main event. And it's like we're looking eye to eye with our enemy and we have to fight them. But 
in actuality, it's, it's a much smaller scale. And you can really take that when you are covered in the blood of Christ and you are covered in his righteousness. You can take that and just bring it to God. You don't have to do the fight. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a great lesson and a great point. Thank you. And as for the prayer request, uh, I guess um, the, the biggest uh, prayer request is that we would give our best to the Lord and to the mission in Europe. Europe really needs the Lord badly. So uh, in this new, you know, that the transition of um, moving back to Poland and uh, we've been doing this role only for a few months now. So, you know, it's still fresh and it's still um, the COVID, the COVID restrictions have only loosened up. So until recently, all the interactions were online. So it doesn't help building trust and it doesn't help in communication. So, so for the Lord to graciously allow us to to build good trust, uh, full of uh, relationships, full of trust with Western Europe, and uh, for this uh, network of women's initiatives to really grow and be uh, envisioning and encouraging and inspiring to the women. Certainly, we'll be praying for that. Thank you again. It's been a joy to have you on today. Thank you, Alicia. It has been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you for listening to the Adorned Women podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then follow us on our Instagram for even more great content all week long. Our handle is at Adorned Women. You can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com. And of course, join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.